Thank you, Austin. You know, when I think about Michael Jackson, um, <clears throat> I think about 1982, November 1982, I was driving to a family reunion with my parents and my mom had an old Dodge Aspen station wagon. You remember what I'm talking about? I, I didn't like the car. I was always embarrassed by it. We had that, we had that hot wood grain that went down the side. It was awesome. I was so embarrassed. It was like, Mom, when you take me to the mall, can we go with another car besides that one? But I remember listening to the album Thriller the whole time on my way to our family reunion. And uh, so never, never will forget those days. Great time, a great way to start out the uh, service here. So let me ask you this. Have you ever felt like this? You ever felt like that before? You ever been sitting in a drive-through and it's like, come on, drive-through. You ever been in the Summit Church parking lot? Come on, right? <laughs> Never felt that way before. I have certainly felt this way. I, I, I'm scared at times to ride with my father-in-law because my father-in-law drives. I love, I love the dude. Hey, and w welcome to, if he's watching online, hey, Steve. And for everybody else that's watching, we're glad to have you here. Um, so <clears throat> when I ride with him, this is often what I see from people around us because <laughs> minus a few fingers. Because Steve believes in going 55 miles an hour, no matter what. No matter what, I'm like, Steve, I, I've got, got my head down. I'm trying not to make eye contact with people because that, that's really, that's terrible. People come driving up next to you, you make eye contact with them, it's over. Like they know, you know, you know it's, it's over. But uh, we are, most of us are very proud of the way that we drive. Some of us are not. Some of us have a complete lack of self-awareness. Is there anybody in this room that would say, I have so much faith and confidence and self-awareness that I realize I don't have very much self-awareness when it comes to driving. Am I courageous enough to raise your hand and say that? Okay, nobody's courageous enough to admit that. There you go. Well, most of us like to think we're good drivers. Um, there have been some times in my past that I've scared myself. Uh, and, and I know that maybe you've never done this before, but I know I have. And I've needed to change lanes and in the process of changing lanes, what do you do, right? You look through your rear view mirror. You look through your side mirror. Sometimes it's the old, you know, that kind of thing. But there are times where you've checked all your mirrors, you've done everything you need to do, and you just scoot over into the lane, right? How many of you have ever checked that mirror, checked that mirror, and scooted over in the lane only to hear honk, honk, you're you know, people screaming, people in your car start screaming, people in their cars start screaming. It's a scream fest and you're like just holding on, trying to keep it together. Yes, what just happened? You pulled into your blind spot and you did not know somebody was there. And if, hey, if you're, a, if you're a student driver here listening, if you're a teenage driver, can I get all the teenagers, if you're watching at home or in this room, can you raise your hand just for a second? Yes, free advice from the DMV right here. Make sure that when you change lanes, you look as many ways as you can uh, because your parents will thank you for that later because we want you to be safe. But sometimes we can pull into other people's lanes because we have blind spots. Two, a, you know, a piece of two-inch thick plastic in your car, whatever, 
can keep you from seeing a six, seven, eight foot vehicle that's back in, in the corner where, where you just can't see because it's a blind spot. So we have to consistently look and we have to go, hey, I need to make sure I'm paying attention. A blind spot, here's the definition, is an area around a car that the driver cannot see, right? Well, there's another kind of blind spot that you have and that I have, and it's called a relational blind spot. It's called a relational blind spot. Now, a relational blind spot is a pattern of behavior that we are unaware of or cannot see clearly. We don't just have driving blind spots where 840,000 people are in accidents in our country a year because of them. But we have relational blind spots. And these are patterns of behavior that we're unaware of or that we cannot see clearly. It's kind of like spinach in your teeth, right? When you get spinach in your teeth, you can't see it. I, I can't see it. I get stuff in my teeth all the time. And Chris is like, hey, you need to check the mirror. And I'm like, can you just get it for me? <laughs> no, that's nasty, disgusting. You need to get that yourself. But it's like, it's like spinach in your teeth. You can't see, but everybody else can, right? There's relational blind spots that we have that, uh, that just uh, sabotage, sabotage us sometimes. So what are some relational blind spots that we have? <clears throat> I would say um, we have some blind spots where we have triggers where we all have them some of you have gone through some very scary very weak very uh surprising very moments in your life that made you feel insecure or scared or you had a breakup and you felt uh, a lack of validation somewhere maybe it was a mom or a dad who said something and and it just you never forget where you were when they said it that's that's how this plays with us and so that, that could have happened 20 years ago. But you and I could be in a conversation on the patio and I could say something like, um, hey, do you, um, we can be in conversation and I can say a word that came up in a conversation that you were hurt deeply by 20 years ago and I just triggered something in you. You just got triggered. You just like, wow, I just got angry all again because I remember something that happened 20 years ago. And now you're emotional, you're like ready to fight, you're ready to defend yourself, you're ready to, you know, posturing in that moment because you got set off by a trigger that you didn't even know was there. Sometimes I, we don't even know that we're dealing with them. So a trigger is one. Sometimes a relational blind spot is we live entitled. I should just have this. I should just have it, right? Um, a relational blind spot is we think we're good listeners, Everybody thinks they're a good listener. Well, most everybody thinks they're a good listener. Hardly anybody is a good listener. It takes work, it takes discipline, it's practice, right? So that's a relational blind spot. Uh, some of us uh, have a lack of awareness of how we impact other people. Some of us think, oh, I, my, my actions don't really matter that much. I'm not really, it's not really no big deal. It's just me. I mean, I'm not really that much of a big impact. No, 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 no. That's not true. You asked your children that? You asked your brothers and sisters, your mom and dad? Yes, that's a relational blind spot. You have a big impact on other people. Here's what I think Jesus wants to tell you, <clears throat> tell you and tell me today, is that 
I think he wants to tell us that there are things in our life that if we're not paying attention to can be blind spots for us in all of our relationships. And if we don't deal with them, they will get in the way of making progress in our relationships. And this comes on the end of this Don't Judge Me series. Jonathan has said so many wonderful things that you need to go back and listen to because it's been a fantastic series. But I think is where we end this, the series up today is there are things that Jesus wants to tell you and tell me that if we can figure this piece out, that if we can figure this piece out, it'll go a long way toward restoring relationships and making sure that we treat people the right way. So Matthew chapter 7 what does God say about blind spots and what does God say about how we should treat each other and especially how we should judge people and that kind of thing. <clears throat> so Jesus tells his guys, he says, so why do you worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? He says, why do you worry about a speck, little bitty thing in your friend's eye? When you have a log in your own, you get this glaring giant thing in your eye. Let's go on. Because why are you worried about that? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? How can you even think about saying that? You can't get past what's going on with you. Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Here's what, here's what Jesus is saying right here in this passage. There will come times when you may need to say something to a friend because of a speck that they have in their eye. There will come times when you love your friends and I hope you love your friends and I need to love my friends and sometimes we need to have conversations of a clarifying conversation of, hey, can I just give you some feedback? You know, sometimes we need to have those uh, confronting or compassionate conversations, if you will. Jesus is not saying you shouldn't have those conversations. Jesus is not saying we should not ever admonish one another and warn each other and challenge each other because we're a spiritual family. That's what spiritual families do. What he's saying is, I don't want you charging off challenging people when you haven't challenged yourself first. You need to look at you first. I need to look at me first before I ever say anything to you. That's the way that it should work. Here's the principle that I think Jesus is talking about. It's natural for people to be consumed with other people's problems and blind to their own, isn't it? It's just so natural for me to go, well, I'll tell you what's wrong with you right? It's natural for you to walk up to me and go, I'll tell you what's wrong with you. It's just natural for us. We, it's our, we have a gifting. We have a strength in this. Now, obviously I'm overstating it, but it's natural for us to be preoccupied with other people's junk than our own. We, have, have you ever seen people having an unhealthy energy around other people's problems? Oh, did you see what they did? Did you see what they wore? Did you see how they blah, blah, blah? Did you see how they, you know, made a mess of that? Oh, can you believe she did that and he did that? Oh, and there's all this unhealthy energy around all the ways that somebody else is sabotaging their life. And it's like we get preoccupied with that. All the while, we have a glaring weakness ourselves, a glaring issue ourselves that we're not having to deal with. And here's how we play this game. If I can keep the focus on you, I can keep the focus off of me. 
If I can keep pointing out all of your shortcomings, I never have to look at my shortcomings. If I can keep pointing out your problems, I never have to focus on my problems. And I think if we're honest, sometimes we do that. Because let's just be honest, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable for those of you watching online. Sometimes it's a little uncomfortable for us to look in here first because sometimes we don't like what we see. Sometimes we just don't like what we see. I wrote this in my notes this week and, and I feel like that it, it describes me and if I could just kind of bear my soul for a minute and be honest with you. We're all friends in here, right? We're friends, great, thank you. Thank you for that uh, rousing affirmation. Uh, I, I was sitting this week and I was thinking about this and uh, I was thinking, you know, sometimes I don't have a problem being judgmental. I have a problem appearing judgmental. Do you ever felt that in your spirit? Some, sometimes we don't have a problem being judgmental if we were to admit in our heart of hearts where dark things live. But for the sake of others, we don't want to appear judgmental. And this is a place that I personally have to work at in my life. Um, for what I do for a living, it requires me to exercise a lot of judgments. Uh, decisions that I make organizationally, uh, along with Pastor Jonathan, we've, there's a lot of judge, judgments that we have to make. A lot of decisions and generalities and look at things and evaluate things and make decisions and decisions and decisions because that progress is necessary. Got to move the ball forward. And sometimes for me, I can forget that there's people involved. And sometimes for me, I can forget that there's moms and dads and husbands and wives and children involved. And I can be, I can make judgments fairly quickly but sometimes I lose the heart connection behind what's really involved in this situation. So God has to gently remind me, hey, remember, hey, remember, hey, remember, don't, don't let this be a blind spot. Remember that there are other people involved. So here's the big idea. Here's the big idea that I wanna share with you that I feel like God has laid this on my heart over the last few weeks. And I feel like this has encouraged me and is a good reminder for me. But when it comes to my relationships with my wife, my family, my friends that I work with, people outside of here, it's what I can't see that can ruin me. It's what I can't see that can ruin me. Just like a blind spot when you're driving down the road and you accidentally pull into traffic and you can hit somebody and hurt somebody and they can hurt you because you didn't see them. And it was unintentional. You didn't mean to hurt anybody. Sometimes relationally, it's the same way. Sometimes unintentionally, you never meant to hurt anybody. The way that you're living, you made that decision. It never even occurred to you that it meant something else to somebody else and it hurt them. Didn't even cross your mind. Didn't even cross your mind. But if you don't pay attention to that, if I don't pay attention to that, it's what I can't see that can ruin me. It can ruin my relationships with the people that I love if I'm not paying attention to the things that I cannot see. And we're going to talk on just a little bit about that. 
If we're not paying attention to that, we can really, really get ourselves into some trouble. Here's why I feel like Jesus said, hey, I want you to work on you first before you work on somebody else. Here's why I feel like Jesus said that. When God lays something on my heart for me to deal with me, I go through this grueling process of, oh, you're right, Lord. I need to be humble. I need to be open to this. And I want you to change me. I don't want to stay the way that I am and go with you. I want to continue to grow. And I realize that when God points something out in my life, I, I get to that point where I'm like, oh, this is painful, but I need to walk through this process and grow. And what happens in that moment is I begin to feel empathetic, understanding, and compassionate because I've been there and I know what it's like to deal with my stuff in my heart and the blind spots that I may have. And that's why he said, I want you to deal with your stuff first, your log and your eye first, because when you do, it gives you a greater sense of empathy and compassion and care for when you reach out to your friend. You won't be as sharp-tongued. You won't be as judgmental. You won't be as harsh when you're telling them what you see in them because you'll have gone through the process of dealing with this yourself and you know how sensitive and how painful it can be. And there are times I've gotten to the end of this process of dealing with something myself and I'm going, you know, it's not really even worth me saying anything now. This has just been so tough on me that I just feel like I, I got my hands full of myself. But it's what I can't see that can ruin me. It's what you can't see that can ruin you in your relationships. And we're going to talk about how to get help in just a minute. I, mean, I want to talk about a tool that was developed in the, in the mid-50s uh, called the Jahari Window. In the Jahari Window, this is what it says, and, and I feel like this is a self-awareness tool that God can teach us something with. He said, when it comes to people, when it comes to you, this is you, and there's four quadrants to who you are, right? This is just their theory and research. He said, <clears throat> this is the part that's an open book to you and to everybody else. This is your open book. This is what people know about you. And this is what you know about you. This is the part of your life you let people in. This is the part of uh, you that, you know, you understand very well. This is the hidden part of you. This is the part that you know about. But this is the part that others don't know about. This is the part that you know about. But this is the part that you don't let other people in to know about. Okay, this is your open part where life's a, you know open book and everybody knows you. This is the hidden part of you. You know this about you, but other people don't know this about you. He said, in this part, he said, this is your blind part. He said, you don't know this about you, but others know this about you. This is the spinach in your teeth. He said, you don't know this about yourself, but if you ask a few friends and family members, they will tell you. They will tell you. And this is the part of you that's unknown. You don't know this about yourself and nobody else knows it about you either. And, he, and, and, and they say that the, the larger this box gets, the open box, the, the more it comes down here and comes down here and comes down here, the more healthier that you'll be. It's exactly what Jesus is teaching. When you deal with you, when you deal with your things, you're gonna emerge healthier, stronger, more mature, and to be able to walk into other people's lives and say, hey, can I give you some feedback? But, but this is the way that it works. 
This box right here reminds me of a story just a few weeks ago that I had to have a conversation with my wife about. And she said, Eric, I don't know that you know this about you, but this is something that you do and you've done it for years. And it hurts my feelings every time you do it. I'm like, what? She's like, it hurts my feelings every time you do it. And I'm going, baby, I I promise you, I am not waking up in the morning going, how can I hurt your feelings today? I is not even on my, that's not the furthest thing from. She said, I know you're not doing that. But I'm just telling you, when you do this, it devalues me. And I don't even know that you're aware that you're doing it. And I said, you know what? Thank you for telling me I've got a blind spot. You feel devalued when I do it. And that is feedback I need to hear. That's the kind of stuff that we need to hear. So let's get right into this and and the action piece. Number one, what's the first thing you can do to help yourself become less judgmental, judge yourself more and others less? First thing you can do is number one, be courageous. In other words, face your blind spots. Where are you judgmental? Where are you judgmental? Think about that. Which parts of your life are you tend to quick, quick, make quick decisions, quick judgments, right? What part of your life is that? And then what does that say about you? What does that say about you? The other thing I want to challenge you to do is face your triggers. We all have them. We all have them. You can be, you can be in a conversation with your spouse this afternoon and they may unintentionally say something but all of a sudden it triggered something that happened 15 years ago and now you feel threatened and you've got to defend yourself and all of a sudden you and your spouse are in this very intense conversation that had nothing to do with that current conversation but everything to do with 15 years ago, something happened and you never dealt with. Face that trigger. Know what it is. And and the advice that I would give to you is sit down with somebody that you can be vulnerable with. You don't have to defend yourself. And you can be very honest with them and say, look, I trust you. And my heart is an open book. Give me some feedback. I'm going to be vulnerable for a second. Tell me what is a trigger. When do you see me get emotionally charged? I need a gift. I need you to help me with this. I don't want these triggers to sabotage this relationship. So have the courage to face your blind spots and have the courage to face your triggers. Second of all, I would challenge you to do this. Be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. Be careful with the people in your life. You know, when Jesus says in this passage, why would you place so much emphasis on telling your friend you got a speck in their eye? Be careful. Here's what I would say to this. When you get yourself in a situation that you want to talk to a friend and that you want to challenge them on something or give them some corrective feedback, I want to ask you to do this, this right here. Ask yourself, is what I'm getting ready to say, is it really a problem Or is it simply a preference of mine? Is what I'm getting ready to say really a problem? Or is it simply a preference of mine? Can I I speak to you uh, just as a very real and as a dad just for a second? One of the things that God has taught me over this past year 
And I have two boys that are 21 and 18. And one of the things that God has taught me this year is that a lot of the things that I've shared with my boys over the years, they weren't problems. They were preferences that I had for their life. And God is big enough. And I'm learning that God is big enough that my boys may not get there the same way I did. They may not get there the same way I did. But God is big enough to trust that he will get them there. But they may take a whole nother path than I did. Parents, is what we're talking to our children about, are they really problems? Ten, month, ten, ten minutes, ten months, and ten years. That's a, great way, that's a great way to decide, is this problem? What's it going to feel like ten minutes, ten months, and ten years? Is this really a problem, or is this just a preference? Marriages, spouses, I want you to listen to me just for a second. Are the things that have been dominating your conversations in your marriage over the last month, are they really problems or does he just chew really loud? <laughs> is he just a loud breather? You know, there is loud chewers and loud breathers in the room, I'm just gonna say. Is it, is it just a preference? Well, I don't, like, I, I don't like how they, well, she doesn't like how I do something too. What are we fighting about? Is it really a problem? Or is it simply a preference? I'm a big fan of this right here. And I think that a lot of the things that we get into arguments about and a lot of things that we challenge each other on, sometimes they can be problems. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dismissing that. But most of the time, it's you didn't do it the way I wanted you to do it. And man, you talk about trust trust, trusting in God and trusting in the process. There's something that God wants to teach us when people's preferences are different than our own. And we have a lot to learn. So let's be careful how we treat each other. Second of all, all of our relationships have a current balance. Right now you have a current balance in your bank account. Don't look at me so upset. But right now, you have a current balance in your bank account. You know it. If you pulled it up right now, online checking, you pull up, your, pull up your, on your app right now, you can figure it out what it is. And every relationship and every significant relationship that you have, you have a current balance with those people in your life. Every positive interaction with those people builds that bank account. Every negative interaction with those people builds, a, a tear, tears down, withdraws, depletes that bank account of that relationship with that person. When it comes to giving feedback and when it comes to noticing specks in people's eyes and when it comes to want, wanting to warn our friends and things like that, we generally only receive feedback from people that we have positive balances with. If you know you want to talk to some people about some things that they may be struggling with, and you may be in a position of authority and your relationship is not the best with that person, a good place to start is find ways to build the balance with them. Start having positive interactions with them. Hey, this is what Jesus did with us. He said, I love you. 
I'm coming to earth. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to rise again and go to heaven. He started on a positive to build the bank account, to show us how much he loved us and then what he did for us. Here's what I want to challenge you to do from this whole series and from everything that I've said today. I want you to focus on judging yourself a whole lot more. Imagine if we lived in this utopian environment where we judged ourselves so much and we judged each other so little that everybody wanted to be a part of that group of people. That was what described the early believers, the early church. Imagine if we took ourselves so seriously from the standpoint of, do I need to check myself? Is there something I've got going on that, that I need to deal with? Imagine if we did that so much that we were so busy trying to make sure that we were right with God that we didn't have time to point fingers. We didn't have time to say harsh things. We didn't have time to do those things because we were so busy judging ourselves. And when you do have to say something, and when you do have to warn a friend, and when you do have to have a confrontation, and when you do have to have a loving conversation, make sure that you do business with God first so that you will walk into that conversation with empathy and understanding and compassion because you personally know how it feels to deal with it yourself. And Jesus, the reason he is so important is he knew all the skinny on you, you, and me. He knew all the skinny. And he came and he died and he loves us and he gave his life for us. So I want to ask you to bow your head and I want to pray for you. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are just so blown away at your grace for us. That God, you, you, you set the current balance right out of the gate. You came and you demonstrated that you loved us first and that we could trust you and trust the sacrifice that you made for our sin and that we choose to have faith in that. God, we will have eternal life. And I pray for all of my friends that are listening online and I pray for all of my friends that are in this room listening and God, you're, you're speaking to them. And Lord, help us to understand that and to know that we need to judge ourselves a whole lot more first and judge the people in our life a whole lot less and give us the wisdom to know what is truly a problem and what is truly a preference and where we need to trust you in that conversation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.